Well, we'll talk about where ranked choice voting is used. <laughs> Maine uses ranked choice voting for federal elections and the presidential primary. And Alaska will be doing the same in 2022. In other states, it's used in presidential primaries, in local elections, in internal party elections, and in military and overseas ballots. This map is a little out of date because as I was telling uh, Julia and Deborah from Georgia, Georgia has started using uh, ranked choice voting for military and overseas ballots as well. So um, Guy, how is it working? Uh, well, it's working great. Um, as you guys can see from these numbers, 70% uh, of voters approve, um, approve of ranked choice voting in exit polls. So this is after they've already used it and they're like, this is great, we like it, 70%. Uh, <laughs> in today's polarized environment, it's a pretty high number. 68% of voters uh, do rank multiple candidates. In other words, um, while they have the choice in ranked choice voting to just still just go in and vote the way they always have, i.e. pick their favorite candidate, now um, they do go in and they understand it enough to rank multiple candidates. And really impressively, 90% of voters when asked say they understand RCV and that it's simple. Uh, one of the biggest, going back to one of the other questions that came up was, you know, or one of the reasons politicians use to resist ranked choice voting, uh, they say, well, it's, it's confusing to voters. And so it will disenfranchise voters and the exit polls just don't bear that out. So that's really encouraging for us. And, and we, you know, it's one of the things, you know, we really feel confident when we are going in to talk to existing politicians uh, to support this. Now, we want you to be aware of one other important way that ranked choice voting is used. It's called proportional ranked choice voting. And Cambridge, Massachusetts has been using it since 1941. So in proportional ranked choice voting, when you're electing a council, 20% of the voters get 20% of the representation. With our current voting method, the largest block of the voters gets all the representation and the rest of the voters get none. So what this does is to ensure proportional results and it boosts representation for smaller groups that might otherwise struggle to get representation. When in proportional ranked choice voting elections, usually over 90% of the voters get at least one council member they support. So voters can see that their vote matters. So here's how they do it in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Instead of electing each uh, council member in a separate race, the candidates for all the seats run together in a pool for city council. They use a ranked choice ballot, like the ballot that you used for the summer activities, and the top candidates get seats on the council. And the cool thing is, as the city votes on the pool of candidates as a whole, there's no drawing districts. And there's no arm rest wrestling around district lines and gerrymandering can't happen. So there's this cool, if you're, if you're interested in voting methods, you might enjoy this uh, video. We'll put politics in the animal kingdom. Uh, we'll put the link in the chat at the end here. So okay. if this sounds good to you, um, I urge you to join the group in your state. Election laws are different in every state, and each state has its own ranked choice voting group. And we'll put a link in the chat where you can find yep. yours if you want. Yeah, I just dropped the link in the chat. So uh, 
it, when you click on that, it'll bring you to a page that shows all of the states and what's going on in the various states, but, uh, depending where you're at. Okay, so we will stop talking and see if you have any more questions. Steve, I see your hand is up. Yes, I, I looked at the CT Gray video on on the tube and I thought it was very intuitive, very makes a whole lot of sense. I'm a huge proponent of this. How much are the two big parties going to be losing power to third and fourth parties over time? And how much is that raising ire with them? Well, you want to take that one, Kit, or do you got yeah, it? I was going to say, we don't know. <laughs> okay. We don't know. Um, in so far in San Francisco and Minneapolis, which have used ranked choice voting the longest, we, d we don't see any third parties emerging. But, what, but people can what, vote, for, vote for them if they, you know, and the, it may be that the um, seeing votes come up for those third parties influences what the people who get elected end up doing. What we found, too, is that third parties ultimately get a lot more votes than they do in the current system. Uh, and they do because the people who prefer those third parties now are no longer worried about spoiling uh, the election by voting for that third party and throwing it to the party they like least. I want to refer back to like what, what we believe will really help third parties and independents break through our two-party duopoly is more proportional representation, if we can get that. At large city councils, for example, like Cambridge, Massachusetts, if 10% of the population was Green Party and 40% was Democrat and 40% was Republican and 10% was Libertarian, you would have, let's say there's 10 members, you would have one Green, four Dems, four Republicans, and one Libertarian. And that would allow, that would truly allow uh, third parties and independents to break through in a more significant way. Now that's easier said than done, because if you think of the US Congress, you know, we'd have to, you know, put through legislation that would go from single member US districts, house districts to multi-member districts, uh, which is, uh, it's a big leap from where we're at today. But part of the answer to your question, I think. Diane? Yes, I'm just wondering, because the whole process can get really complicated. <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's a way, if you see it as a, are there any loopholes that you could foresee where people were, were trying to game this in a certain way? With all the craziness on voting lately, um, I just don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. That's an excellent question. That's, that's the first, first thing we who have seen these strategic elections think of. How do you game this? Ranked choice voting is the least susceptible to strategizing of any voting method. The, the League of Women Voters has done some excellent studies on, on various voting methods used uh, around the world. And ranked choice voting, you just, it's, it's, almost, it's really hard to game the system. And you'd have to know so much about other people's votes and their second choices and such. And it could really backfire if you tried to, tried to game, the, game the system. And the current method that we vote in is, is the most vulnerable to strategizing. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I would add to that when you think of the current, so for, we're the first to say that no voting system is perfect. We're just trying to find the best voting system that would work in America, the way our politics is set up today and the way the systems are set up today. The way our current first past the post plurality system works today is the most gameable of mo any possible system. And the, the examples I would use, especially in the days of party machine politics is if Kit was Republican and I was Democrat, we we're running against each other. Today, there's nothing to stop a anti-democratic group, a PAC, for example, to find another person to run as a slightly left of center Democrat against the establishment Democrats, split that vote, and then would throw the election to a Republican in a district that, let's say, is solidly Democrat. So, so the current plurality system is, is very easy to game. And that's one of the things we, we think is benefit a ranked choice voting. It's, it's much, much more difficult to game it in that way. Thanks. That's interesting. And one of the things that I've recognized as I was listening to your presentation was that the effect on the division that the country and the strategy of divide and conquer that is being used to to undermine our democracy right now and how this could affect it even if it doesn't change the outcome necessarily of the elections you know we're forced to look at other points of view in order to rank the candidates so can you comment on on that how this is going to stop and help to sort of reduce the division and bring the country back together and save our democracy. Thank you, Rich. You said it very well. Thank you. <laughs> it's a it's a mindset. You know, it's not like we have to have this one candidate and everyone else is a schmuck. You know, it, you could say, well, I I like this candidate, but this one I could live with, and it changes our mindset about uh, as voters about what we want. Yes, and how we approach politics. And I would add to that. So imagine just the the debate in the public square for any election, whether it's city council or a state assembly member or a US Congress person or president. What we're used to getting oftentimes is two choices, two binary choices, Democrat, Republican. Most people are locked off the debate stage. I mean, imagine, imagine if running for president, we had, we had five people on the debate stage instead of two. Uh, even if one of the two major parties ends up winning still, Imagine how rich, how more rich the debate itself would be uh, and what Americans would be listening to and thinking about instead of two, two dominant parties trying to tear the other one apart and make the other one look evil, intrinsically evil. Um, that alone would raise the public discourse in American politics. Awesome. Julia, I see you raised your hand a couple of times. And Laura, did you want to ask a question? Well, this... When I first thought about this, I think it would be good at the local level, the state, county, but how, how, and then, you know, like that would be a new beginning because doing this voting is a new beginning for some states that haven't tried it. And I think it can work, but I see 
maybe younger people, maybe more easy, quick to go with it than someone that might be more set in their ways. And I think y'all have already mentioned that. But how, how do you do local uh, referendums or, or things that you want to get past, like increasing taxes and things like that? Does that have a place in this? It, it does, but indirectly, from uh, my perspective anyways, in the sense that in, when all is said and done, we're all very interested in specific issues that impact our daily lives and the lives of our friends and family. The electoral systems by which the, so it's the politicians that end up impacting these issues, right? What we're talking about is a system that allows us to vote in politicians that are more representative of us and that are more responsive to us than they are currently, which hopefully then would take care of the issues, the local issues uh, that you uh, have mentioned. Zooming up to a 30,000 foot level, when we talk about national politics, the two states that have passed ranked choice voting uh, are Maine and Alaska. And what we found is when, to use a very specific recent example, when the impeachment of Donald Trump came up, very few Republicans went, uh, uh, voted for that. Well, two of the senators that did were Susan Collins in Maine and Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, because now they no longer have to worry about being primary by somebody who's to the right on the political spectrum during their primary, because now they have open primaries. They can compete on a level playing field. Then once they get to the general election, chances are pretty good they're going to be able to win re-election should they choose to, to run again. And so that frees them to vote their conscience instead of voting party line. So two different examples. One is hyper-local and one is very national. Okay, so how about the big money in politics? Is that still going to be a problem even though we have choice voting? Or does this have any impact on, on the influence of, of big money and contributions by interested parties that are buying our candidates in some respects. That's still going to be a problem, to be honest. That's a, that's a big problem. There's a whole other branch of reform, campaign finance reform, that's going to take a lot of work. Now, indirectly, though, and this sort of is uh, the answer I shared with Julia, if you get better politicians, more responsive politicians, by instituting something like ranked choice voting, you're going to get politicians that are more responsive to our problems with big money in politics. And that can really help at the local level, uh, where you have cities that are willing to uh, institute, let's say, public financing of campaigns and so forth. So, But uh, with the Supreme Court's gutting of campaign finance reform at the federal level in 2010 with Citizens United, nationally, it's going to take a lot of work to get some true campaign finance reform passed. But the people who are doing the work are the politicians we put in office. And if we can make better systems for getting those politicians in office, then hopefully we have more responsive politicians who are, who are ready to put through legislation to actually fight some of the bad decisions that have already been made that are impacting big money in politics. It's going to take a long time. And unfortunately, democracy is messy. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do always for the rest of our lives on these issues. Well, thanks, Guy. Yeah, one one thing we've noticed though in uh, 
local races is that the negative ads are reduced. And one thing big money is really good at financing is attack ads. So there's not the need. I mean, there's not the use for that kind of big money and that kind of financing. So, and another thing in Washington state, we're thinking of combining a statewide ranked choice voting presidential primary bill with democracy vouchers, which would give every voter $25 to contribute to a campaign. Mm-hmm. So that, I would love to bundle those together somehow. And, and for those who haven't heard of democracy vouchers, yeah, every single voter in a district uh, or state, if you pass the statewide, would get vouchers to contribute to their candidates of choice. And to, you know, Kit can speak to this better than I can, but Seattle is the first big city that's passed that. And in the last two, three election cycles since it passed, voter participation and candidate diversity has gone way up. Kit, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but from everything I've read and studied about the success of vouchers in Seattle, it leads me to believe that that's a powerful way of counteracting big money in politics. It is. It's, um, it's, it's been a great program. And, and I guess it's the first in the country. I forgot. <laughs> you all are not from Washington. But yes, the democracy vouchers are working really well in Seattle, and we're yeah. hoping to expand the program. Yeah, we're working on it on a few cities here in, in California as well. Mark has asked a question in the chat. If we join one of the RCV organizations, what kinds of things can we do to help out? So lots of things. Typically, organizations, it depends on where they're at in their growth curve, but uh, things like canvassing, tabling at farmers markets, trying to get more supporters, donors, volunteers, phone banking. Uh, Sometimes you have donors who don't have the time to contribute, but they want to donate, but maybe they attended a meeting three months ago and they forgot about it. Phone bankers call them up and say, hey, would you like to turn your $5 a month or $5 one-time donation into $5 a month. So all sorts of various things. We have uh, organizations in various states where, you know, let's say you don't have the money to contribute or the time to contribute, but you're an expert at graphic design and you do have a little time to help out on occasion with a design project to help the website look better. It depends, you know, it could be any number of things and it depends on the organization and and what, you know, what you'd want to uh, contribute in terms of time or, contributions so or you can uh, write a letter to the editor <laughs> wherever you are yeah they're yeah they're whatever you're good at i think we have lawrence with his hand up yeah hello yeah i have a stupid question uh, i maybe missed it so so we have like ranked choice voting so we vote for one two three whatever and ever gets the 50 percent more wins now, do you have another election if somebody doesn't reach the 50%? Nobody reaches the 50%? Is there another election? No, we keep keep going through the rounds. And then if someone, say if, if a lot of people vote for some uh, unpopular candidate and they only vote for that candidate and they don't have another choice, their votes are not counted in the last round. Okay, and that's, so, that's sort of like um, voting in the primary and then not coming back to vote in the general election. I, I see. So, so you'll, get, keep, you'll get down to the last round. We'll have two candidates. Yeah. And unless it's a tie. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Good question. 
Oh, one thing that's going to happen in Alaska is they they instituted ranked choice voting, and what they're going to do is hold a primary election, and in some of the races they have a, a lot of candidates. They're going to take the top four. They're not going to do ranked choice voting in the primary. They're going to take the top four out of the primary and then do a ranked choice election with those four. So that's, that's a di- different variation on ranked choice voting. So that would take that would take a primary and a general. In Washington, we had a provision in our, our proposed legislation. If there are more than six candidates in a race, and we have 35 people running for Seattle mayor. If you have more than six candidates in a race, we have a ranked choice primary and the top five candidates go to the general election. And we have another ranked choice election. So the primary, if there's a large field of candidates, we have a winnowing primary so that people aren't faced with having to rank 30 candidates. In the primary, you might rank your top six, and then in that primary would lead to the five candidates in the general. So is this used in other countries? Is this, Could this be do, used on a national level? Oh, yeah. Australia has used it for over 100 years. And uh, New Zealand uses it, uh, Malta, Northern Ireland, uh, Scotland, India, the Academy Awards uses ranked choice voting yeah. for best picture. And uh, Robert's Rules of Order recommends ranked choice voting when you have an election and people can't be in the same room. In, in addition to those countries, there are a lot of Western democracies, or I shouldn't say just Western, modern democracies that don't use it, but they have multi-member districts, parliamentary type systems where they're Democratic systems are already more representative of their people, uh, more proportionally representative. So ranked choice voting really becomes powerful when you're in a system like ours that is primarily single member districts and winner take all type systems. Uh, It's an improvement upon that, but not, it won't get us to the mixed member proportional representation of of a country, let's say, like like the, like the, the Scandinavian countries or Germany or countries like that. That would so, take a constitutional amendment, right. <laughs> which is a lot harder to do, especially in today's polarization. Okay, so that would take a constitutional amendment, because what you're talking about are some of the best and most stable democracies in the world. Scandinavian yep. countries, Australia, New Zealand, right. Canada. Does Canada use? Not but. No. Like, Canada is still a great democracy. So we have Karen asking a question here about whether ranked choice voting won't cross gerrymandered district lines. You see that question? Mm-hmm. I do see that question. Now, Karen is a good thinker here. So <laughs> gerrymandering is a problem because with gerrymandered districts, 51% of the voters get all the representation and 49% of the voters get nothing. So uh, rank, rank choice voting in proportional rank choice voting, we can combine three districts. So erase the line between three districts and, and elect three representatives in one rank choice election. The bigger the district, the harder it is to gerrymander. So if people in um, 
in those three districts. If you have a 30% of the people should get one of the representatives. And you don't have to draw a special minority majority district in order to weave those people together if they're not, you know, living in the same neighborhood. So this is sometimes used for uh, Voting Rights Act cases when people say that, that people aren't getting representation. And sometimes it's just impossible to draw a district that combines enough of a minority group to get them a representative. So one of the things, this is about, not so much about promoting third parties, although third parties probably have an interest in this, but it's also about creating more representative government, but it's still, you have the same person usually wins who gets the most votes anyway, but also it's about more than that. It's about making a more maybe civil discussion and getting people exposed to different ideas, different parties, different ways of seeing things. And I think that that's important. How, Go ahead. I want to go back to Karen's question. There is a national bill called the Fair Representation Act that's been presented for for many years. It's not going anywhere right now, but it would be it would be great. It allows for proportional representation for um, congressmen, congresspeople, and so they're uh, suggesting like increasing the number of representatives in the House of Representatives, because we haven't increased the number of representatives in a long time. At one, I don't have the numbers, but- Like in 150 point, years, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like since the mid 1800s, yeah. So if they're thinking of say, increasing the number of representatives, turning Washington state into two districts and electing representatives in a pool from these two districts. And so then, it's it's really hard to gerrymander, you know, two districts when you've got, say, you know, six representatives coming from each district. Yeah. So ranked choice voting in and of itself does not eliminate uh, gerrymandering because we still live in a country where most of our districts at the state and federal level are sing- single member districts. We do want to get to a point where we can pass legislation that would combine single member districts into multi member districts, which would make it near impossible to gerrymander, um, and you would have several representatives coming out of any given multi-member district that would be proportionally representative of the population. So you would have, for example, here in California, instead of having a state house that's really dominated by one party, instead of being 75% Democrat and 25% Republican, it might be 65-35. It would be more representative of the people. You could be a Republican in California and have your voice heard, or you could be a Democrat in Wyoming or Arkansas and have your voice heard. What we believe that would do and what it has done in places where RCB exists is it raises participation because people now believe that their voice uh, would be heard. Yeah, and just to repeat, we're talking about two different ways that ranked choice voting is used. One way is for a single single winner, like a, a mayor or a governor, and that's sometimes called instant runoff voting. And that's the easiest to understand. And that's, we're promoting that more strongly than proportional ranked choice voting because it is easier to understand. It's more like the pilot program. And then when we're electing a council or several representatives, that's called proportional ranked choice voting. And you really start to see some uh, big improvements 
with that, but it is more challenging to understand. So, but it's all, it's very transparent in all, all these methods. You can see what's happening round by round. The election officials can publish things absolutely as transparently as they can now. I want to thank everybody. Huh? Somebody's just coming in at the last minute, <laughs> but I want to thank everybody. Can you tell us how can we get involved in ranked choice voting efforts? There are groups in every state in the country uh, that are working on this and that but would be glad to have your help. Thank you. If you have any last comments, Kit, or... I just want to thank everybody for taking part of your May 1st Sunday afternoon <laughs> to yeah. listen to um, things about elections. I used to think politics and elections was just dreadful. And now, now I have hope and it's, yeah. it's creative and, you know, better math. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would you. echo, I would echo uh, Kit's comments. Like, uh, thank you guys. This is, it, it's, it's, it's an honor to get to talk about these things. And it it's, it's an honor to know that as citizens, we can make a difference, right? We can move the needle and we can make our democracy more fair and representative for everybody. And that's exciting. And it's really exciting to get to share all of that with you. So thank you. And thank you, Rich, for hosting us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here, for providing this with us. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you, Guy and Kit. Great job. Great presentation. Everybody loved it. And I'm so happy. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye now.